Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? Good evening. Stand by. Ten seconds. Nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the podcast, the Constitutional Conservative Coalition. My name's Jake Eli with my host, Jason White and Tony DeLost. Tony, you want to introduce yourself here? And uh, I know you have a little bit on the timeline of the current epidemic that we're in. So if you would like to take it from here, let everybody know what uh, what's going on. Hello, everyone. This is Tony DeLost. I'm with the uh, CCC Media and we right now are in the middle of a pandemic that is worldwide known as the coronavirus or COVID-19. So just to start things off, let me give you a little bit of a timeline of what has occurred over the past three months and where we're at right now and how we got here. Starting on December 31st, China reported to the World Health Organization that dozens of new cases of a virus that were hitting China came out and they haven't discovered it yet or identified it. On January 11th, China reports first death related to coronavirus. January 23rd, Wuhan, China is shut down. All travel to and from city is suspended. January 30th, the World Health Organization declares global health emergency. January 31st, the Trump administration restricts travel from China to help to quell the spread of the virus to America. February 2nd, first death outside China is reported in the Philippines. February 14th, France reports first death from coronavirus outside of Asia. February 17th, Chinese officials draft legislation to curb the practice of eating wildlife, which is reported that this was all started from eating bats from wildlife that were just taken. And uh, this is what coronavirus does. It transports from animal to human. On February 21st, COVID-19 reaches South Korea and Iran on February 23rd. Italy sees major surge in COVID-19. Officials begin the lockdown of Italy. February 26th, Latin America reports first coronavirus case. February 28th, first case reported in Sub-Saharan Africa. March 11th, Trump administration begins lockdown protocol suspending all visitor travel from Europe. March 13th, Trump declares national emergency in the United States of America. And on March 16th, Several Latin American countries impose nationwide lockdowns, including Venezuela, Ecuador, Peru, Colombia, and Costa Rica. A day later, on March 17th, France imposes nationwide lockdown, along with at least 26 other European Union countries. On March 21st, Hawaii issues a mandatory 14-day quarantine of the island. March 23rd, Prime Minister Boris Johnson locks down Britain. On March 24th, India issues a 21-day lockdown. On the same day, Tokyo Olympics are delayed until 2021. This information is sourced from the New York Times. And to date, the coronavirus, or COVID-19, has reported 595,000 cases worldwide, with a total of 27,000 deaths attributed, attributed to the new novel coronavirus. And this information is brought to you by ABC News. All right. So you went over the timeline here, Jason. What what do you think that all this means? Like, I know when we were talking prior to the recording that, you know, we kind of talked about Trump's impeachment and how this played into it. Also, local responses, things that the governor of Pennsylvania is doing. Um what 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 are some of the thoughts you have on this timeline and how this thing has progressed and where we are at now at the end of March? Well, thank you so much, Jake. I'm going to start off with, you know, I, <clears throat> I'm based out of Washington County, so I'm going to use Washington County as a, gr- a great example for southwestern Pennsylvania. So anybody w- living in with southwestern PA, please listen up. You know, there was a magnificent political escapade on the local <laughs> news lately 
It was. It was. It was like <laughs> opera. It's it was literally. It was literally like soap opera. You know, we literally got to see our county commissioners tripping over their feet at the uh, at the altar about falling over, catching each other, explaining how they're doing such a great job, and they they had been planning for sixty days for this epidemic. Planning for sixty days. What I do not understand, and and I want everybody to take this deeply, sincerely. You know, I, I was an upper manager at a coal company. We literally had protocols and procedures for for basic and even extreme safety conditions. So if something happens, boom, this is A, B, C, D, E, F, G. This is what you do. To listen to a politician tell me that for 60 days we have been planning and, and coming up with a plan, I mean – if you're if you're an elect or um, I, excuse me, if you are a constituent and you're hearing this, you should be trembling because you're listening to a person that has no idea what they're talking about, explaining why they're coming up with a plan about something that they have no idea what they're talking about. So it's like, you know, I have a degree in biology and I'm telling you about how to put a man on the moon. I have no idea what I'm talking about. This is what these people are talking about. Like, they have no idea about viruses or plagues or how to handle this situation. And furthermore, I don't think they have the appropriate people around them to do so. And, and I'll give you a great example of what, what I'm talking about. Washington County, great example. 60 days we've been planning. 60 days. They touted this in the interview. And, and you can go reference the news to verify what I'm talking about. 60 days we've been, we've been planning, 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 planning approximately and this is approximate the 30 day mark they gave approximately 2.4 million dollars 2.4 million dollars to the washington county airport which is a dump like i wouldn't fly there for any reason even to fly a kite like why you would go there i have no idea like i'm gonna either gonna go to latrobe or i'm gonna go to the pittsburgh airport like that's what's gonna happen like i wouldn't go to the washington county airport for any reason other than the fact that I'm a multimillionaire and I just want a place that's 10 minutes from my home. I'm not a multimillionaire. I don't know if Jake, you and Tony, I don't think you guys are multimillionaires. And Definitely like you not. just, you don't have like thousand dollar bills floating around in your pockets. But like outside of that reality, the average Joe is not going to go to the Washington County airport. So the fact of we were planning for 60 days and at the 30-day mark, we decided it was a rational decision to give $2.4 million to the Washington County dump of an airport. I have no idea on what planet these people live in that that is a good decision. And then they're going to sit here and say, oh, in the same interview, well, we don't have – this is not um, – we don't have an emergency because there's only one person. 24 hours later, they get two people. It's now an emergency. So why this, Why is this important? So they lie to everybody and say, oh, my goodness, we've been planning for 60 days. 60 days. Did anybody miss the fact that the, some of these politicians have been in office for like 30 years? <laughs> like, what have you been planning for your whole career? Like, what? Do you not have basic operating procedures for emergencies? What is emergency response? What do you do in these scenarios? Why all of a sudden is it, oh, we've been planning for 30 days? But but even so, I'll give you the I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. At approximately the 30-day mark, you give $2.4 million to a dump of an airport. And I'm trying to be nice about the airport. Guys, you can go check it out for yourselves. You decide what you think. But I totally think it's not up to today's standards. Like Latrobe and Pittsburgh are like light years beyond. It's like Star Trek. Boom. Washington County is like the Flintstones. So let's go a little broader now. I mean, all right. So, Jason, let's put our tinfoil hats on here for a second. And uh, let's, let's do some hypotheticals. Let's say you are the owner of a company and you're also the mayor of a major city and you decide you're going to tax the entire city a higher tax than it already was except you're going to give an exemption to your business 
or your friends' businesses, and that's it. Just your friends or your business. Would you say there's a problem there, an ethical and moral problem there? Well, anybody that knows in my standing in Washington County, I, I totally believe the ethical and moral compass has been lost in like the Stone Age. And that's like, what I, that's what I was getting at. Now, if you go broader, go to the state of Pennsylvania with Governor Wolf. You go, you go to Pennsylvania then. And it's like we're sitting here in Washington County spinning the, the, the moral compass is spinning in circles, figuring out which way is north. And the fact that you have the governor who has a financial interest and he is going to set regulations or stipulations or edicts, however he wants to dictate it. And these other businesses across the Commonwealth are going to shut down to me is ludicrous. Uh if anybody's truly driving or even just driving around, I don't care if you're going to the store, if you're watching what's going on here. I mean, it, it, it boggles my mind. Uh, you have stores implementing new processes and procedures based upon their own guidelines. Um, you all of a sudden now have stores uh, adding hand sanitizers and washers, which I think, it's like, oh my lord! Like, where have we been all these years? Uh, what what do we? It's a basic question. Like, what are we teaching in schools? Like, all of a sudden now, I'm at Home Depot, and I hear, "Please, if you sneeze, cover your mouth. Please, if you sneeze, use hand sanitizer." Like, what are we teaching at school, guys? Are is this real? Are we? Like, what are we? What are we teaching at school? Like. <laughs> so uh, what I what I was getting at here is and, and Jason Tony you both can jump in on this as you as you feel is the governor himself has business interest in the state of Pennsylvania of course where he's governor and he's doing these statewide mandatory shutdowns of businesses and stay home orders in certain counties but yet he is issuing exemptions for companies that he have he has interest in and the fact that, you know, we see all this stuff about the pre about President Trump on TV and his businesses and stuff like that. And, you know, oh, what if this is going on and he, he's benefiting from deals that he's making as president? You actually have proof that this governor is doing that. I mean, it's not even he's not even hiding it at this point. So, you know, what, what are your thoughts on that, guys? Well, I'd have to say that Tom Wolf uh, issued a mandate on which businesses were essential and which ones are not essential for a life in you know Pennsylvania. And it just turns out that his own business or the business that he's a part of or on the uh, board of directors, which was uh, a cabinet maker, was considered to be essential to Pennsylvania <laughs> and was allowed to continue to run while everybody else was shut down. Um, I would have to say that there was... A lot of times from the time that he started this till now, there have been several instances where he has changed his mind. He's flip-flopped on the uh, decisions on which ones are going to be left open and which ones are going to be closed. Put it this way. There are schools and there are uh, bookstores that are closed and everything else, but the liquor stores are open. So what's life? What's essential to life in Pennsylvania, according to Tom Wolf? Well, you'd have to ask him personally what he really thinks about that. And I'd have to say that cabinet making is probably on the top of that list. And it's like, for example, where I work, we, we got the temporary shutdown. We actually produce, we don't put them together, but we produce all the parts and send them out to Henry Rifle, where we actually make guns for your Second Amendment right. And in a situation oh. when the state is shut down and there's shortages of food and, and, and necessities, don't you think your Second Amendment and, and guns is something that would be more uh, a bigger necessity than a cabinet? <laughs> well, well, I gotta say, you know, in my in my professional opinion, the heck with Tom Wolf's opinion. Exactly. This this should be a collective body making a decision, an educated decision in advance, and laying out legislation to warrants what our government should and should not be doing we should not be giving a governor with an agenda some 
open-ended platform to make decisions uh, based upon the fact that we're in, in some state of emergency. I think that is ludicrous. And unless the president wow. of the United States declares martial law, there, there really is no constitutional right for any politician underneath of the president, especially to do this. Oh, it, it, it's been just totally irrational. I believe that there needs to be absolutely, uh, I actually commented on one of our state representatives uh, post one of our state representatives, Southwest PA was commenting about our governor's actions. And I said, it's time for the state legislature to step up and uh, hold him accountable. And absolutely so. That's what they're there for. Uh, they need to step up and they need to hold him, his feet to the fire. And and the only way that's going to happen is if they do it. Um, nobody else is going to do it. We elect these people to be our voice. So if what he's doing is so irrational um, and totally out of line, then somebody has to step in line and fulfill the oaths and duties of office. And they're, that's what I'm just kind of confused about right now is everybody's complaining about him. And everybody's saying, oh, he's stepping over line. Well, what are you doing about it? What are you as elected officials doing to represent we the people to fulfill the Constitution? And in my opinion, that and, goes back to where the American people just see the political parties as a status quo. And they kind of just behind the scenes all powwow together as buddies because, like you said, there there is no accountability being held for the actions of the governor and realistically, it shouldn't have to be a Republican. It should be any representative that understands constitutionality of the state that knows that this isn't allowed and should be holding him accountable. And it's just not happening. Oh, I, absolutely. And I believe that, you know, Tom Wolf. let me ask you this question. Somebody that has insider trading. Let's use uh, some people even in uh, the public sector that have been in TV. There was, without saying any names, there was a person that was prominent in the uh, baking arena, cooking. She got some uh, insider trading with her stocks. She went to jail for it. There's an NFL player that recently had that happen. <clears throat> NFL players. So how in the world, if that is illegal and worthy of going to jail, how in the world can somebody say what is legal and illegal for business to operate when it has a personal benefit to themselves? To me, that is totally, at a minimum, unethical. And if you read the ethics law of Pennsylvania, it specifically states that if you break, breach the ethics law, you know you're not you're you are unfit to to uh, hold office. So you have to ask yourself right out of the gate: Is the governor fit for office? <laughs> Um, you have to ask yourself that question, uh, because the ethics law is so broad and like practically it's a, uh, uh, political sword, you want to say, um, but it's true. It's, it's, it's there, but ultimately, you know, my thing personally is like where, if, if the state legislative body feels that this is so over the top and we've crossed the line and they need to hold the line. What are they doing? Um, and I, and I say that professionally and candidly, and I, and I would like them to, you know, do the right thing. But if the governor's so far beyond the line, what are they going to do about it? You, you know, you got to stand up to him. It's kind of like a bully. Like if he's so far beyond and he's benefiting himself and using this terrible virus to benefit his own business, like that's disgusting. Um, and the sad thing is he has been the bully and he has, his party has been the minority in both chambers of Congress in the state of Pennsylvania, his entire term as governor. I mean, it's crazy how much push he has with no majority in either the House or the Senate in Pennsylvania. It's just, it's mind-boggling that somebody can do what he's done. 
it's almost as it's almost as if the people that are in office are afraid to report what's going on in office. Let me just say that because I do know for a fact there is one person at least who's willing to stand up to Tom Wolf and his decree of what's essential and what's non-essential, specifically his own Tom Wolf's own business uh, as a candidate from the Carnegie area named Danny DeVito, who's filed a lawsuit against Tom Wolf, actually, and it's actually in court being contested right now as to whether or not Tom Wolf's decision was constitutional as far as Pennsylvania law is concerned. Which I was under the impression, and I I don't have a law background per se, but I, I was I was a court employee, and uh, my interpretation of anything that has to do with po- politics and law is if there is a decision being, uh, I guess you should say, underway, a decision's being made, they're, they're currently arguing back and forth on something that was passed as a law, that law should be then in void until the decision is made. If you're a convicted felon and you appeal it, technically your, your, your sentence is suspended until, like prior to you going to jail, your, your sentence would be suspended until the appeal has been heard. That's why you see people on death row for 30, 40 years. So, it, I mean, is this even something that businesses should be adhering to and the state police should be threatening businesses over, considering this is in court? I mean, is that something either of you know anything about? Well, I personally feel that there's no cohesive uh, communication between state, county, local police on a day-to-day basis. So for them to enforce such an edict today is going to be a tall, tall, tall task, number one. They lack communication day-to-day. That's fact. Anybody across the state of Pennsylvania could go ask this basic question, you know, how do you all communicate on a day-to-day basis? Okay, so add, add on top of your communication point you just made, you know, is this really time well spent by our state law enforcement? I'm not bashing the state police. They're doing what they, they're being ordered to do and told to do. It's not their fault. But is it time well spent for them to be going after private businesses trying to keep America's economy from completely flatlining and, you know, make they're, money to keep employees paid? Versus actually doing real things on the ground to keep people safe in a situation where people are throwing fists over toilet paper at the at the supermarket. <laughs> Stati- sti- statistically, I would question that government makes minimal decisions based upon statistics and fact. Um, that's not opinion. That's based upon precedent. That's based upon uh, factual information of the past. Um, I would love to see government allocating time and resources based upon statistics. That would be amazing. If government did that, if government operated that way, wow, what a country this could be. I mean, America's already the greatest, but could you imagine if it's take politics out of it? If you truly made decisions based upon we the people, what's the best decision? What's in the interest of, uh, you know, property taxes, safety, go right on down the line, education for the kids. That would be amazing. Um, The best way to educate our kids is shut down the Department of Education for good and let the states and local municipalities actually decide well, well, how to educate their I, children. I, 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 mentioned, <laughs> I mentioned this earlier. I mentioned this earlier. Kids don't know what to do when you sneeze. Oh, my goodness. What do I do when I sneeze? Oh, my goodness. I mean, right now, it's like it's like a monumental thing. Like, I'm at Home Depot. If you blow your nose, blow it into the crevice of your arm. Do not blow it onto everybody around you. Like, do we really do we really have to say this to people that are 40 and 50 years old? Jason, I was just about to say those messages at Home Depot aren't for the kids. Those are for the adults. <laughs> well, but to give those adults it, a little bit of credit, the Department of Education's been around since the late 70s. So, I mean, since then, 
basically you you should be able to cut anybody's slack that doesn't know what to do in situations like this. <laughs> well, it's kind of scary though because now, like, like literally, I'm at a store and they're blaring this uh, messaging over the loudspeakers to cover your nose, uh, wait, cover your mouth. Like, what? On what planet did we grow up on? Like, when I went to, where I went to school, it was like you cover your mouth, you wash your hands, you use, uh, you know, um, different products to. Cl- to be cleanly, um, you know, sh- bathe regularly, uh, clean your clothes, clean your, your home. Don't be, you know, disinfect however possible, yada, yada, yada. Like I can go right on down the line. Don't blow your nose and blow on somebody's face. Uh, like things that I just like today, I'm just like, oh my goodness, I'm at a world renowned store and they're giving out responses that or even commands of that of a six-year-old and i'm just like wow like wow well wow wow we have people at grocery stores making ice cream so i mean what do you expect did you see the the the, the millennials and gen z people who were actually licking toilet seats for that uh social media app called tiktok it was the covid19 challenge If you haven't seen it, you should definitely look it up. It's very interesting. And uh, speaking of looking things up, ladies and gentlemen, please go to cccmedia.org. Check out our blog, um, cccmedia.org again. We do post uh, information on their education, blog post. Uh, You can find these podcasts. I'm sure you're listening to this podcast from our website. Once again, it's cccmedia.org. Moving along here. So... Recently, the House and the Senate and the President agreed on a $2 trillion stimulus package. Um, Jason, Tony, what are are your thoughts on it? Give people some information about what's included in it, how it benefits everyday Americans, how it benefits all the other uh, people that you probably wouldn't want to benefit from something like this, but they are anyways because that's just how politics works in America right now. It's so beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. Well, I, I want to say this. I want to say this. America, if you want to know why you're so much in debt as a country, which, you know, most people will say, oh, we're over $15 trillion in debt. And it's almost like monopoly money because when you look at it, it's like, wow, that's monopoly money. Um, guess what, America? That's not monopoly money. That's your money. What's important to understand and, and if there's one thing that could be learned from this bill, as crappy as our politicians are and the fact that they buried that many things into this bill, the one thing that I could – I would hope that you learn is that if you go to state or federal government, I don't care which one, when they enact a law, if you look at these bills, which they call bills – I, I'm not sure, Tony. How many how many pages was this particular bill? It was originally made. the first proposal made by the Republicans and Mitch McConnell, I believe, was around 280 pages. And obviously, the Democrats didn't agree with what the Republicans came up with. They had to add all the pork that they possibly could think of because they were about to rob the American people as worse they've ever have in their entire lives, including money for abortions for Planned Parenthood. So the second proposal came around from the Democrats and Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer was fourteen hundred pages. Wow. Fourteen hundred yeah. pages. So so let me let me let me give you let me, let's let's elaborate on this, okay? Fourteen hundred pages. How many of you as Americans have read books that were fourteen hundred pages? If you did, and you're like an astrophysicist. It probably took you like more than a day. I'm going to guess. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna take a guess. Mm-hmm. And if you are that smart and intelligent, and it took you more than a day, I can assure you that our senators and congressmen, as busy as they are with all the bills and people that are talking to meetings, I can assure you, folks, they didn't read 1,400 pages. So you know what happened? Some bureaucrat 
that is not elected read that bill that is some person that you don't even want to meet nor talk to and that person said excuse me mrs congressperson or mr congressman or yada 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 you should do this or they went to their chief of staff or it could have been some underling going to the chief of staff saying yes mr chief of staff yes mrs chief of staff however everybody's titles go so on up the food chain trust me the senators congressmen so on and so forth did not read these bills 14 you said 1400 pages Tony. 1400 there's there's no way there's no way. There's no way. Like, I'm sorry. Like, it's not happening. That's it's twice, great. That's twice as many pages as Obamacare that was passed overnight. And this, what did Speaker Pelosi say about that bill too when they were voting on it? I, I you have you have to sign you have to sign and put it in the law before you can read it because who can read seven hundred <laughs> pages in one day? And, and think about oh, this. The that, point Jason's making is great because. You're talking about reading 1,400 pages in what, a matter of hours? Think about these people that somehow magically wrote 1,400 pages in hours. Do you think that this stuff, I mean, in my opinion, it had to have been written, you know. They figured out months ago, years ago. There's always that term that gets thrown around in politics, never let a crisis go wasted. And it's like they just have this and, stuff drafted waiting for something. They, they don't even know about COVID-19. It could and, be another school fact, shooting, and this would be something they would throw in a bill. And the fact of the matter is, is everybody has to understand, this happens on a regular basis. Not the crisis situation. Don't Do not take me wrong. But in this situation, it's astronomical. Like, the amount of money they're this bill, 2.4, is it 2.4 trillion? Guys, is that, am I right? I know it's over two trillion. I don't know the exact. Okay. And it can expand, from my understanding, is up to six point five trillion, depending. Okay, so we'll just say approximately two point four for this for the argument. That's trillion. But 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 the, but the but the point is, this happens all the time, and what people fail to understand is. This happens all the time, state and federal government, to where, oh, yeah, we're going to give checks to, to the working citizens. Uh, this bill, which is over $2 trillion, only it's three, only a, it's only billion, three I think, yeah, are going to working gonna, Americans. It was like, it's, it's approximately $350 billion. $350 billion, approximately, approximately, is going to working Americans. There are so many line items, line item after line item after line item after line item after line item of crazy. It's like, are you serious? What on earth? What does this have to do with the working American? Like, why not just put the bill through and get people the money that you promised them? Why do you have to create? And and that's what people have to understand about government. Government is so dark. Government lacks transparency and it lacks accountability, and that's fact. And that's that's ultimately why we exist. Is we are here to shine a light on things that typically go ignored. And this bill, you know, I, I think it's great. Don't get me wrong. To with this epidemic, pandemic, to create a stimulus for the for the for the people of America. But I must say there's a big but, three letter word, but to bury a lot blind items for these programs or groups, entities with a black agenda, a dark agenda for the government is everything I despise about the government. It's completely un American. It really is. And and to back up what you're saying, Jason, about how this happens all the time. Think about the omnibus bills that are being passed when government shutdowns are looming or when the government does get shut down. And you have the senators like Bernie Sanders talking about how people are going to die because the government got shut down and health care is going to fall to the wayside. And then they go past these massive bills with all of this spending just like they did now. 
you know, it's happened twice in the Trump presidency, but it happened, uh, you know, since I've been alive, almost every president's done it multiple times because that's what Congress gives them. The government shut down. They have to do something. And, you know, they bite the bullet and they sign the omnibus bill. So that right there just proves what you said is true. I mean, it, this happens all the time. It's not just because of a pandemic that's going on and we need stimulus. Literally, when government shutdowns are looming, this happens every time. items of what this bill actually gives out. It was supposed to be money to help people out who lost their job because of the shutdowns. But let me give you a little rundown of some of the things that are in this bill that have been passed because it's a $2 trillion plus dollar bill and only 300 to $350 of it is actually going to checks for people who lost their job. There's a lot of pork in this. Let me run down a couple of these for you. There's $25 million allocated for the John F. Kennedy Center for the Performing Arts in Washington, D.C. <laughs> That is the compromise. That is not how much it was originally supposed to get. It was supposed to get a lot more than that. But that is one of the line items. Another one is $1.2 billion to require airlines to purchase expensive renewable jet fuel. Now, this, thank goodness, didn't even get put into the new revised version of the bill that was passed. But that was originally what the Pelosi bill was uh, expected to give to uh, airlines as a grant for five-year terms of $1.2 billion for renewable jet fuel. Didn't they Other include solar panels and stuff in this bill, too? Like, if you had solar panels, you were receiving money or, or something crazy as a there business? There was funding for everything that you've heard Joe Biden and the DNC and Bernie Sanders talk about funding with the government was all crammed into one emergency bill that was supposed to be for the working people that lost their job. And it had nothing to do with people that have everyday problems on how they're going to pay their bills. There was $600 million in the Pelosi bill to National Endowment of the Arts and Humanities. Now, what does that have to do with coronavirus? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. $88 million to the Peace Corps for evacuating volunteers and U.S. direct hires from overseas. And I guess that could be something that you could do along the lines of a pandemic to bring people back home, but that's not what this was needed for. It was for other work that was already being done that they were going to come back home anyway. They didn't need $88 million to come back home. It was already figured they an earmarked to do that anyway. $250 million for the Internal Revenue Service to subsidize with a subsidy that would cover taxpayer services enforcement and <laughs> operations support. Now, you're telling people during a pandemic that we're going to give money to the IRS so they can come after you. And meanwhile, your message is you're pushing, oh, we're going to delay taxes. Like, you don't have to pay your taxes on time this year because we understand that there is a pandemic. And then you're saying that there's money in there for them to go after people who aren't paying their taxes. Think about that. Think about that for a second. You don't have to pay. We're going to come after you if you don't pay. Here's a bunch of money to come after you. Where did you? Never mind. Never mind. But they got it back down to $2 trillion, which, by the way, if you do the math on $2 trillion for the American population, if you take 18 year olds and over, 18 year old. And over there is 210 million 18 year olds or older in america for two trillion dollars you could give every single one of those people a check for nine thousand five hundred dollars roughly and, and you're yeah. you're not even counting the ones who are considered independents other their under their parents you're just saying 18 and older in general not 18 not, and older. That, that's every not independence that's just 18 and older every single person that's 18 or older could have got a check for $9,500. Now, if you were to say, let's say uh, they, they used a salary cap of $75,000. Let's say you said it was a cap of $100,000. Let's just go with that number, even round number. And you gave a depreciation uh, per, for salary, and you were just going to use $100,000 as a baseline. You would then up the amount of the check to every single person that was in that realm to be somewhere around 15 
to $17,000. Now that, my friends, is a stimulus check. Now, the 1200 bucks you're going to get, good luck with your rent and car payment on that. Now, you might now, I'd, I'd like to divert here for a second because a lot of people say, how do you like communism now because of the stimulus package? And they're saying, oh, well, you like taking money from the government when they're trying to give it to you. But when they're talking about it on a debate stage, you want to call it communism. My thing is, if you're going to tell small businesses, private businesses and corporations to shut down and they're not allowed to work or do business in this country, then you better compensate the workers. You better compensate the business owners. And anybody who's affected by that, because realistically, all conservative people want is the government to get off their back. And if you're just going to drop an anvil of government on them, you have to compensate them somehow. So it's not that we enjoy communism or socialism, but if you're going to tell me I can't work, you better find a way to get me money so that I can survive. Now, on the flip side of that, Tony, like you said, $1,200 per person. So say a family of four, you have two adults and uh, two children. You're looking at about $3,400, I believe. Um, now, with a $2 trillion plus stimulus, and they're, they're printing money at the Treasury for this. This isn't money that just sit aside. I mean, we're $20 plus trillion dollars in debt. There's no money set aside. They're printing money to do this. How much is that $1,200 actually worth? Once they print off two trillion dollars to make up with, for it, <laughs> it's about thirteen fifty. You just paid thirteen fifty to get twelve. Yeah, I mean, inflation's going to go through the roof on that. I don't know if people realize that. Well, from a financial standpoint, some of the things that I understand with this stimulus bill and people. Arguing if is it is this socialism, is this communism? They're going back and forth with this, but I can assure you one thing that will happen for definitely this is definitely gonna happen. There are businesses out there who were in trouble before the pandemic started. Before December 31st, they were in dire straits before this even came about. And what's gonna happen is you're gonna have a company, you're gonna have companies who are gonna take and max out the loan grant or whatever you want to call it at this point. I'm pretty sure it's a loan. I haven't looked into the whole thing. It hasn't been. Yeah, I, I believe it's a loan. Okay. So they're going to take out the loan for the maximum amount that they possibly can. And what's going to happen is they're going to take out the full amount. They're going to give themselves on the board bonuses for making a great financial decision. And they're still going to declare bankruptcy. It's they will never be liable. They will never be liable for the amount that they borrowed. They will keep every single dollar that they took from that loan, and they're going to live happily ever after with who knows how many millions or whatever they Gee, took. Gee, that sounds like an automaker in Detroit. <laughs> yeah, there's, a couple, there's a company out there that hasn't been uh, so favorable. I worked, I, worked, I worked for a coal company out of, um, I'll just call it uh, southern, southern West Virginia, Virginia slash northern Tennessee. And they uh, they pulled the same hanky panky, filed for bankruptcy, did some reorganization, and uh, paid the paid the executive folks some big old bonuses. Everybody lost uh, practically their life savings, um, and they were happy as could be. So, um, I, one thing to be said about that particular situation is our bankruptcy laws suck in this country. Yeah, and our president our took bank, advantage our, of it, and the, people bashed our, him for it. And he said, "I'm just a good business guy. It's what you do." <laughs> I mean, our our bankruptcy laws suck uh, the way they are written. They need rewritten. Um, I also am a firm believer that you know this is a discussion for another day, but workers' compensation needs rewritten. Uh, I've lived through that personally, um, but worker, but the. Um, the bankruptcy specifically is an atrocity. Uh, it's terrible. Um, the fact that you could take, uh, you know, a huge corporation with thousands of employees and do a corporate rearrangement, rearrange your structure, uh, divest your assets, and come up with this new structure and 
you're you're golden, but yet you are not indebted to any of your debts. Um, to me, is just totally asinine. I, you know, you have literally uh, people's retirement that they literally flush down the toilet. So, um, I've lived through it personally. Uh, it's it's rather sad. Uh, that was one of the first major monumental things that got me involved in politics. Uh, that still has been yet to been to be rectified. I really, I hope before, <laughs> you know, before my end days, I get to see that that result. But yeah, uh, bankruptcy laws in Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania, not only Pennsylvania, but across the country, they're they're absolutely horrid, and they need resolve because there's people's not only people's lives but generational uh disparities that that come of it so uh, that's something i hope everybody does a little research on because it's a big deal not only for our generation but future generations completely agree jason and and tony maybe you know a little bit about this because you you have a lot more specifics on this bill than i do in front of you um, something I seen were reports that Congress actually voted to give themselves a raise through this entire package. Is that something that's actually been verified and true? From my understanding, yes, it's absolutely true. And from what I understand, it's not twelve hundred dollars. It's a it's a hefty raise. It's a lot. It's in the, it's somewhere around thirty four to thirty nine thousand dollars a year. That's what I saw too. Which is a which is a permanent raise. Yes, it's not a. It's not a. It's not a. This is a pandemic emergency fund. This is a. Hey, I need a raise. Remember when? I can remember when AOC was arguing that she needed four thousand dollars, and it's not even like a raise, really. Now they're going to get thirty-five to forty, thirty-five to forty thousand dollar raise every year because there's a pandemic. Come on. Well, guys, I I think what this whole situation has shown us that each one of us need to get our political action committees going and uh, we all need to run for Congress because apparently it's a hell of a payday compared to what we do now. (laughs) If you can vote on a thirty, forty thousand dollar raise for yourself, I mean, that's that's a heck of a job to have. (laughs) Well, what's clear is that. This epidemic uh, pandemic has shown. A lack of forward thinking has shown a lack of planning by our government officials. And, and that has no representation of our current administration because anybody that is forward thinking understands and realizes that this is, you know, this, this could have happened 10 years ago. Oh, yeah. Um, the CDC should have had risk assessments and risk analysis is done true. for stuff yeah, like absolutely. this. Absolutely. And, tr- and truly and sincerely. That goes back to what I was saying originally, where your counties, anybody with interest into uh, first response, safety, uh, personal safety, uh, so your counties, your governors, any entities underneath the governor, um, CDC, so on and so forth, um, those all have an interest. It's what we're talking about. So they should have standard operating procedures for some type of a pandemic. The fact that, like I said earlier, the fact that you're hearing county officials say that they are formulating a plan in the midst of a pandemic is truly scary. <laughs> that scares a little bit Jesus out of me because that, that truly shows you they have no clue what is going on. They are literally, in the regards of comparing it to a forest fire, they are reactionary. They are not preventative. That's like hiring, they are not preventative. <laughs> That's like hiring snowplow truck drivers during the the snowstorm <laughs> uh, absolutely there's no prevention there's no uh mitigation it is strictly uh we have a pro- we have a major problem and we need you all to help uh put it out and basically we're kind of screwed because we have unqualified individuals in places they shouldn't be which is a, which is a conversation for another day but here nor there the fact of the matter is, in the private sector, you typically, typically, and I say this from my own personal experience, you typically plan for worst case scenario, have a plan for it in case you ever need that plan. 
but day to day, obviously, you hope to operate on best case scenario. If worst case scenario ever happens, boom, you already have a plan, everybody's already trained, you go into action. What you're seeing right now is a colossal mess based upon ignorance, stupidity, and poor planning. That starts at local government, county, state, so on and so forth. Up, but it's government. It, it, ultimately, it's government. It's not. It's not one person's fault. It is ultimately government. Um, too many layers. Too many people. Lack of forward, forward thinking. Uh, private sector. This doesn't happen. Private sector. There is a plan. You know who you report to. You know that, oh, if this happens, this is what you do. One, two, three, four, five, you check the list, you plan for it. Um, I would hope that this is a lesson, and I would hope that our government officials at all levels learn and learn very fast. Uh, they should, because it's shown a lot of chinks in the armor. Um, I think everybody has seen that. And we need to address our flaws and improve however possible. And we can, uh, we certainly can, but we have a lot, a lot of work to do, that's for sure. And um, certainly time will tell with how government chooses to uh, respond to the, the pandemic. Uh, emergency emergency preparedness should be on the number one priority of all elected officials at all times. And every municipality and township and local area government all have emergency response responders and they have a plan in place, but it just seems to me like the government side of it is kind of like a let's wait and see how we can handle this effect as far as... Yeah, it's reactionary. Right. And as far as policy and how we're going to handle uh, payments and, you know, what we're going to do about everybody working or not working. And it's not really a set plan. Like this whole essential, non-essential workforce, that should have been figured out 50 years ago. What are we doing? Agreed. Well, and I, and I, yeah, under, the thing about the whole essential, non-essential, you know, there were, World War One happens, and post World War One, the biggest pandemic to kill human beings happens. Post World War One, approximately 50 million people were killed worldwide. Uh, it truly doesn't get nearly the coverage it deserves or deserved. Uh, but that happened. Um, you're right now. You're sitting at approximately 100 100 years later. So are we on a cycle? I, I don't know. Here nor there, it's happened before. It's happening again. Um, and are we prepared? Obviously not. And, and I mean, people are totally, people are totally, I mean, you have a respiratory infection and people are going and getting toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, literally this has nothing to do with your, your anus. And people are hoarding toilet paper. Like, this is not like, this is, this has nothing to do with like, um, having the runs. Like, it's like, you, you are literally blowing your nose and having like pneumonia symptoms. So why people are hoarding toilet paper, I certainly do not know. Well, that is one place where the government did get it right. They did make a decree or, or announcement stop hoarding the toilet paper you'll be all right on toilet paper i've seen people carrying pallets of toilet paper home you're good for the next five years like calm it down you're all right <laughs> okay so the, the toilet paper aside uh, i kind of want to break this down a little bit because tony you alluded to this at the beginning of the conversation kind of and i, I think it's important because in my mind there's always a political scheme going on, regardless if it's actually the loss of human life, if it's government interactions with humans, whatever it is. So this whole pandemic, we are being told, which we've been lied from the get-go by China, is that people in Wuhan actually ate bat soup, and that's how this started. Now, there was also rumors that there was a chemical laboratory where there was experimentation with diseases and viruses and uh, basically things that could be potentially turned into chemical warfare 
<clears throat> in Wuhan in China. So do we actually think that a, somebody eating a bat caused this or do you think that there may be some other nefarious things going on? Because China can kill 10 million of their people and not bat an eye. But if they can crash the economy worldwide, <clears throat> you know, who does that benefit? That benefits them. So what well, are your thoughts on that? Well, there are several, uh, I would call, at this point, I would call them conspiracy theories. I'm not saying that they're false. I'm saying they haven't been 100% proven. But there are a lot of conspiracy theories. How did this And uh, people eating bats or, you know, was the main blame for this to be the start of this pandemic, which the... The, there is also a patent for coronavirus, which is a common actual a common practice to have a laboratory patent a virus, and therefore they can use that information to break down a virus uh, or vaccine for these uh, issues. And um, so I would wait. I would wait for more information to come out before I made any claims exactly what happened. That might be a conversation for another another podcast. Yeah, because, I mean, it, you're in an economic cold war with President Trump in the United States. I, I mean, in an election year, the best thing you could do to hurt that president is to take down his economy. And even if that's not what happened, China just proved to the whole world you can crash the American economy with an extreme version of the flu is basically what just happened. And... For anybody to think that this cannot and will not be weaponized against this country, either by China or by Russia or Iran or North Korea, I mean, I would have to say you're probably very naive. So I think everything we've discussed with having risk assessments and contingency plans in place and procedures and, you know, an outline of what you do to respond, I think is crucial moving forward, even though we've already missed the ball on that. Because this probably ain't the last time we're going to see something like this in the near future. No, definitely not. I, I would I would hold off on reporting um, theories until more information came out and it was verified, to be honest. Uh, but that is something that we could definitely look into in a future date. Yeah. So, guys, we have about five minutes left. Do you? Uh, how, how do you want to wrap it up? Do you guys have anything you want to do like a little lightning round here and kind of throw some stuff out there what, what are some of your ending thoughts for this episode well i i i personally would like to say that blind items suck <laughs> and and the the fact that we have bills at the state and federal level and the fact that the average person has no idea that they exist um as scary as can be and we elect these people to be the voice of the people and the fact that, that I can assure you, if that bill, this stimulus bill, was shared with every person in the country and the whole copy of every page was shared with every person in the country, there is no way that they would agree to the fact of, you know, giving all this money to these other, uh, I'll just say, interest groups. Because they wouldn't. And I, I believe that's something right there. You know, even in the past, I've talked about it, about grants. Um it's very important that people understand this is your money. So, you know, you should be asking the questions about, well, why are you giving our taxpayer money for these programs? When, I mean, think about it, you know, you know, we live in Southwest PA. Theoretically, one of those light items, uh, Jake, could probably have covered property taxes in probably four or five counties in Pennsylvania. How many light? How many light line items are in that particular bill? So uh, ba back it, back it up real quick. You mentioned county, and I'm not 100 percent sure what Washington County called it. I know Fayette County announced a uh, COVID 19 emergency for the whole county, and my my question is, what does that mean for voters, for constituents, for people who don't even give a rat's anything? about politics but they live in that county what what the hell does that even money. mean what does that mean money <laughs> that means particularly that means money for the elected officials that means when they get to the point ultimately it's money 
ultimately it's more tax dollars. When they get to the point where they announce an emergency, where they declare an emergency, it opens up funding sources federally for the federal government to allocate funds, particularly to each state for that county to use for that particular emergency. Um, is that a good system? Theoretically, yes. Has uh, Washington County particularly dropped the ball? Yes. Um, again, I go back to my example about the airport. Do you realize how many N95 masks could have been purchased with $2.4 million? Uh, or or the, set in a warehouse in New York City and not be used at all? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, just the, the irrational and uh, totally unprofessional business procedures and protocols and the, oh, I, I don't even, I don't even know how you classify it. Just it's a terrible, terrible, terrible uh, policies and procedures uh, here in Washington County. Um, very, very unprofessional. Um I, I really hope and pray for these people because their moral compass is so freaking screwed up. Uh, very, very sad. Uh, very sad the fact that we have people on ventilators dying and they're going to give money for an airport. Well, newsflash, newsflash, Clouseau, uh, people aren't flying because they're not using the airport because they're sitting in a hospital dying. Um, wow, there's a brain buster. So, you know, I really, truly believe people need to evaluate priorities in government. Uh, certainly, I think that needs to be number one. We talked about that earlier, about what's fact. Evaluating based upon fact. Making decisions upon fact. This is a uh, really good statistic. Oh, excuse me. Statistics. Um, that is important. If you don't do that... It's all opinion. It's all based upon feeling and emotion. We shouldn't do that. We should do it based upon what's right. Um, and that is ultimately not what happens in government. And that is, if there's a lesson to be learned here, that doesn't happen. And that is truly, truly sad and <laughs> disappointing. And I would hope that in the future we could enlighten people to make more informed decisions so we can make the country better for everybody, not just for those people that are entrenched into the vile swamp that is the disease of America. Agreed. Tony, do you have any closing thoughts? Uh, the closing thought I would have for everybody that's listening is one thing is just this. Stay at home for now. Just stay at home. You don't have to go out every single day. If you do, go out in the woods, maybe. You know, don't go around people. Separate. Use the social distance, distancing uh, six feet apart from other people. If you don't have to go to Walmart, don't go to Walmart. If you have a whole pallet of toilet paper, I think you're good. Just get <laughs> home. Just skip till next week. See, see if you see if you still have toilet paper next week. Stay at home. Uh, but there are recommendations for. Uh, health reasons as far as this pandemic is concerned and it and they want you to stay away from other people and that's rightfully so uh do what you can to wash your hands at all times use hand sanitizer make sure cleanliness is uh the number one priority that you have in life right now because half of you don't even have to go to work so don't worry about that uh listen don't make fun of us non-essentials over here we're trying <laughs> you know any specials, make sure you're washing your hands and you got plenty of toilet paper. Everybody yeah. else gotta go to work. <laughs> and to all you essentials out there, be safe because you know you're you're out there floating around with that virus. You never know what you're gonna be bringing home. So be safe and be clean, like Tony said. And uh I once again we, we're glad you guys got got a chance to sit here with us and listen to our discussion. Please visit us at ccmedia.org or on Facebook at Reclaim PA. Um, we're, we're constantly posting updates and, uh, pretty much we, we try to take the news and tell you what it means because they give you a story, but not the story. So we try to provide the information on the story and, uh, hopefully you guys stick around for the next episode. 
with co-hosts Jason White, Tony DeLost, and Jacob Eli. And uh, is that it, guys? Anything else you want to add here at the end, or are we going to wrap this one up? Thank you, everybody. Uh, please be safe. Uh, be sanitary, as you should day to day. And uh, be responsible. And uh, God bless. Make sure, make sure you're being sanitary even after this thing blows over. <laughs> and to all my non-essentials, have a good night. Good night. We'll see you.